Richard Radio begins in 3, 2, 1. I don't know. I mean, I don't know if there is or not. I don't know if there's a black and white answer. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how. Give us some men who know the truth and who will declare the truth and who will stand with Athanasius and Polycarp and Calvin and Luther and Whitfield and Edwards and who will declare from the housetops that the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. It's time for Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. You be the judge. You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers? I want the truth. You can't handle the truth. Order in the court. This is Wretched Radio. Prepare to play one of America's fastest growing game sensations over the line or not. That's right. Oh, so popular. Hours were spent creating this fantastic title, Over the Line or Not. As always, representing the tens and tens of people listening to this year Wretched Radio program, our very own handsome Jimmy Hicks. Are you prepared for your most onerous, serious... (laughs) ridiculous responsibility to represent Uh, everybody's hung up already are you ready to go jimmy absolutely you've actually you've actually had the opportunity to prepare for this babylon b put together a skit they seem to be doing these things lately and this particular one it involves the resurrection of our savior and my rule personally when it comes to satire we don't make fun of god We do not make fun of sacred things. This particular satire, while talking about the resurrection of Jesus Christ, is intended to poke at the ridiculous accusations that the disciples stole the body. After all, that was the rumor that spread immediately. I believe it was in the Gospel of Mark. The religious leader said, Look, centurion, if people find out that the body is missing... Our roost is up. So they gave them money so that the soldiers would lie. Yeah, yeah. See, the uh, the disciples, they came and stole the body and it caught on. And that was the rumor du jour. But it persists to this day. Babylon B uh, taking a swipe at it. And Jimmy, the question is, does this go over the line when it comes to Christian satire or not? Do you need a refresher to remember the bit? Uh, yes. Well, you better because... Otherwise, we're going to have a pretty fair amount of dead air here. Are we all here? I need 100% participation for this to work. Yeah, everyone's here. All 12, 11, 11 of us. Well, what's the plan? Well, as you know. You know what's interesting about this satire already? It's sort of like an American-made movie that's supposed to be overseas. We've already got two different accents going on here. So I don't know exactly how... Back to the satire. Jesus is dead. But stick with me. Stick with me. Okay? Stick with me. I have a plan. We are going to steal his body. Okay, okay. I'm tracking with you. What's next? And then we're going to tell the whole world... That you rose from the dead. Oh, Oh, you know I'm in. I love it already. (laughs) All right, classic, classic. Then what? And then? We're all going to get brutally murdered. (laughs) (laughs) 
That is satire, but we must watch the line if we are making fun of something like the resurrection. Um, we've crossed that line. This seems to be, no, it doesn't seem, it is taking aim at those who ridiculously purport the disciples stole the body. <laughs> wait, 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 come again, come again. Could you go over that last part real, real quick? Oh, what? We get murdered. What's the problem? Uh... I like it. <laughs> I like it. I mean, don't don't get me wrong, Pete. I love me a good hoax as much as the next guy, right? Right? Oh, uh, uh, what's in it for us? Uh huh. Do- that is a great question. What did the disciples get out of stealing the body? We all get riches, fame, and fortune first, right? No, no. Get this. You're going to be hated. Hated persecuted, and reviled for the rest of your life. (laughs) Jimmy? Are you ready? Did they cross the line or not? (laughs) Absolutely. You think so, do you? I do. I do. And the reason is? uh, Just like you've already said, there's a line that you don't cross. I think that's when it relates to this, the the resurrection, I, I mean, so much about Christ that you don't. I mean, I get satire. I understand it, but no, not when it pertains to this. Because no. this, it because it is reverent. Dis, it, it there should be a higher esteem for the events as opposed to using it to make a a valid. It's a valid point to be certain. Right. This is it, and it's effective in dramatizing. That it would be nonsense for the disciples to create such a scheme and then carry it out to the point that each and every one of them died. So, Jimmy, according to you, this would be over that line. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I kind of I was I have to confess I was torn with this one because it's not making fun of the resurrection. It's making fun of people who state that the resurrection isn't real. Yeah, and I get that. I do understand that. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's uh, there. There's probably liberty here, right? It's just I, I wouldn't do it. I don't think I would go this far. Yeah, it would be. You know what? That's a that is perhaps a really great way to view this. Would I do this? Would I don the cloak? Because these are all the disciples. They're sitting around a fire, and they're dressed up as we would imagine. First century Jewish people would dress. Would I be willing to do it? I, I you know what? I think I would feel awfully uncomfortable. Yeah. All right, Jimmy, tell me if you think this crosses the line. Sunday, we had a service, believe it or not, it happened to be about the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. <laughs> Fancy that <laughs> on this particular week, which honestly, the death, burial, and resurrection should be a part of every service because. That's the whole point of being there. And I pondered to myself, all right, for those believers who have been in the faith for so many years and they've heard the Easter story so many times and perhaps they're troubled in that they don't feel it the way that they once did. We want to be careful with this because it does seem that it is not ideal that our enthusiasm about the most important historical event in human history might be diminished from what it once was. And yet, on the other hand, we need to be careful that we fail to rem- that we don't fail to remember that our emotions change over the years. 
that joy doesn't have to be like whoop-de-doo. Ah, I'm just so pumped up. That joy can be something deep that's abiding, that is sure, that is steady. So we want to make sure that we don't grow cold unnecessarily, but we don't want to think that we are growing cold when that initial emotive response to the resurrection was first heard by us. Having said that, I was trying to think, all right, what might be a way to help us appreciate what Jesus Christ did for us? Jimmy, you tell me if you think that this would be an appropriate way to present the crucifixion so that we we grasp not just what happened to our Savior, but what he accomplished and 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 how staggering it is that he did what he did. We've seen martyrs throughout history, people who will strap their a bomb to their back and run into a pizza parlor in Tel Aviv. But Jesus' death, it was it was so beyond just dying for a cause. Imagine this. Rather than focusing just for a moment on what Jesus Christ did for us to accomplish our salvation, imagine you have been summoned, summoned by the government, and you are put on trial, and you are falsely accused of doing things that you did not do. In fact, the accusations were contra to all of the things that you had been doing. And even though you're totally innocent, and even though the judge recognizes you're innocent, people who had gathered for your trial insist that the judge punish you despite your innocence. How would you feel? How? How? crossed would you be not cross but crossed in that friends and people and neighbors were accusing you of doing something that you didn't do how betrayed how alone would you feel just asking you to put yourself perhaps in the sandals of our savior for a second and not overlook that humiliation that ignominy that he, the Son of God, was being accused by those who created him of doing something that he had not done, that he was an insurrectionist. It was <laughs> sort of like the January 6th trial, if you will. Imagine, this was the, the God-man who came to redeem the people who said, crucify him. How would you feel? And how would you feel if you looked over that courtroom and your dearest friends, they ran away from you when they saw that this thing was going south out of fear that they might go down with what appears to be the inevitable? How would you feel? Continue to muse on that thought for a moment. Because I think there would be a way to hopefully not cross the line and put ourselves in the stead of Jesus to help us appreciate what Jesus did for us. Next on Wretched Radio. So you're not convinced of the importance of training men to rightly divide the word of truth and fill pulpits internationally? Fine. 
then we'll let Paul Washer convince you. It is so important, not just important, it's absolutely essential to have a trained expositor of the scripture in every church. When we read through the book of Acts, we can see that the kingdom of God, the kingdom of Christ, advances as the word of God advances. Would you please consider joining the Master's Academy International in filling empty pulpits with men who can exposit the scriptures and advance the kingdom of God. It's a magnificent ministry with a generational impact. Please learn more about supporting TMAI at wretched.org slash pastor, wretched.org slash pastor for the Master's Academy International. All right, listen up, parents and married couples. We know better than anyone that there can be times of uneasiness in our homes. Well, if you're ready to revitalize and make a transformation in your family life, then I want to point you in the direction of Wretched.org for a new deal so good, you're going to think it came straight down from heaven. I'm talking about the Joy in the Home Bundle. In the bundle, you're going to find the Drive-By Marriage Audio Series, the Drive-By Marriage Study Guide, the Drive-By Parenting Audio Series, and study guide and last but certainly not least reset for parents now understand this isn't a magical potion that's going to make everyone in your home behave but it's the next best thing so what are you waiting for hurry up head over to wretched.org right now and jump on the path that's going to help you bring joy back into your home don't miss it out it's wretched.org it's the joy in the home bundle on sale right now trust me you'll be thanking us later Ah, some good news. Two encouragements from the Tomorrow Clubs. They have hundreds of weekly kids meeting clubs in Eastern Europe, but now they've expanded to Africa and the kids are swarming the Tomorrow Clubs. They have never seen greater attendance than the hundreds of new clubs that they are opening up in Africa. That should encourage all of us. The gospel is going forth and reaching kids in unreached places. Encouragement number two, would you like to become a Tomorrow Clubs ministry partner? Your support will help the Tomorrow Clubs open up even more Tomorrow Clubs and reach even more kids with the gospel. Please consider becoming a ministry partner at tomorrowclubs.org slash wretched, tomorrowclubs.org slash wretched. Important dates in Christian history. 1854. Charles Haddon Spurgeon becomes pastor in London and will go on to become one of the most influential pastors ever. He was the central figure in defending the gospel against compromise during the downgrade controversy. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Crossing the line, that is the question. This is Wretched Radio. Christians can tell jokes. Christians can present satire, sarcasm. It's one of my faves. Gotta be careful. It's a serrated edge. You can shred somebody, but it is biblical to use it. But I do believe that there should be rules involved in Christian comedy, Christian satire, and Christian sarcasm. We can make jokes about ourselves. We can make jokes about the things that we do. I would even suggest we could, not every single joke, but we could make jokes about the stuff that we maybe do in church that sometimes looking back, we go, ooh, what were we thinking there? But we never, ever, ever, ever cross the line 
into blaspheming God by making fun with, maybe not necessarily of, but even with sacred things, the character, the nature of God, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. If you sense you're getting close to that line, turn the car around, hit the gas, and get out of there. We should stay far away from that line, which is a blasphemous line. So, Jimmy, I have an idea, just a way of thinking through what Jesus endured for us, and you're going to discern if this is crossing that line or not. Okay. Imagine you are walking through what Jesus endured for sinners. How would you feel when you were being abandoned by friends, when everybody scattered, when you informed them, hey, um, something bad is coming down and I'd like you to pray for me. And they say, and they fall asleep. Your, your loved ones, people that you'd poured your life into. How's about being put into a kangaroo court where every accusation was the opposite of what is true? And in order to try to appease the hordes that were calling for your imprisonment or death, they, they worked you over pretty good. Beat you, hit you, slammed a crown of thorns on your head, stripped you naked, spat on you, mocked you for every good thing that you did. They mocked you for it. And all you were desiring to do was to love them and to help them. And as you look around, people who swore allegiance to you, they're gone. Alone, you're crucified hung on a cross, gasping for air, because I got to tell you, we forget what crucifixion death is like. I think if any of us had to imagine dying by slowly losing oxygen, we'd say, I don't know that I could imagine a worse death. That is a brutal way to die. And that's how you die when you're hung on a cross. How would you, how would you have liked it? How would you have felt through that? You weren't a guilty criminal. You're an innocent man or woman. And yet, people that you loved were murdering you. That's what Jesus did. That's what Jesus endured. But his suffering was even worse than what we can imagine. Because first of all, you and I don't do everything perfectly, but he did. Second of all, what we cannot see in the crucifixion story, in the passion story of our Savior, is the suffering that he endured at the hand of his own father, who was pouring out his wrath on his son on behalf of sinners, being identified as a curse, dying a shameful death on behalf of the ones who were killing you. That's what he endured. And that is why when we talk about the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, whew, we are treading on sacred, sacred ground, aren't we? You know, did the Babylon Bee go over the line? You be the, you be the judge on that. Jimmy, you think definitely thumbs down. Yeah. If you're getting close, I say scoot. You could argue, well, it's not exactly a sin. Okay, but does it in any way make light of something so glorious? Something so good. Part of me wonders, okay, 
fine. Just fine. I'm being a little bit of an old church kind of guy, but maybe if we treated Easter the way that we used to treat Easter, maybe we would have a higher view of it than perhaps we currently do, or at least some apparently do. That we maybe ramp it up a little bit. I know, liturgical calendars and pericopes, we reject all of those things because those are considered dead letter, Christianity. But those dead guys weren't dumb, were they? And there used to be a church calendar where Wednesdays leading up for 40 days leading up to Easter, we assembled to consider the passion of the Christ, not of the Mel Gibson brand to consider the events that led up to it, to be thinking on these things so that when Passion Week happened, our hearts were more prepared for it and we approached it more reverentially, as if it were a big deal because it is the big deal. May I ask if your church does Monday, Thursday, getting together the way Jesus and the disciples did to commemorate Passover because he was the Passover lamb? Just asking, does your church? Celebrate Good Friday? Just asking. It's funny because if we go from Sunday to Sunday, we go from Palm Sunday where we're happy to Sunday, Easter Sunday, where we're supposed to be happy, I I think we're just missing out. And I'm just wondering if maybe we wouldn't all have a higher view of Passion Week and what Jesus accomplished on our behalf if we maybe just maybe spent as much time pondering Easter as we do Christmas, which is perfectly fine to remember and celebrate. But maybe we've kind of put Easter on the back burner and we don't appreciate what Jesus did for us the way that we should. All right, Jimmy, how did I do? Did I cross the line? I don't think you crossed the line at all. Not even close. No, I don't think so at all. I, I think so. I could so I could work on this and put it into a sermon, is what you're saying. Yeah, I, yeah, I think so. I, you focused, you put your the focus on yourself in comparison, but you never left Jesus. You never left what actually happened, and all right. so I don't think that's crossing the line at all. Right, because it's the minimizing. The, if if the goal is to lift it up. Mm-hmm. I suppose there are scenarios where we could do that wrong. But if the idea is to make it more glorious, to help us appreciate what Jesus did for us, then, then you're aimed in the right direction. Jimmy, I got an easy one for you. Okay. Is this crossing the line? A St. Louis bar. The well, Let's leave their name out of it. You know what I think when it comes to these horrible mass shootings? How's about we never name the name of the mass shooter? I don't need to know. I I can't help but wonder how many of these people, these glory hounds, do these horrific things because they know their name will be spoken a lot. I say not at all. So we're going to we're going to practice what I just preached. We won't mention the name of the bar. It's in South St. Louis. They're having a sexy Jesus pageant. (laughs) I can't even read it to you. I can't read it to you, but I'm going to try to share some of the lowlights Because I think we need sometimes to remember, not all the time, but sometimes to remember how fallen the world is, how much the world hates Jesus still. Seriously, like they don't even believe in this man. And yet their desire and their effort and their energy that goes into mocking him. And we hear it all the time, don't we? Because we never hear anybody hit their thumb with a hammer and say, oh, Allah, 
We just hear what we know is the name of the God of the Bible's name being dragged through the mud. So I can't read the first one because it's too disgusting. The pageant will feature dreamy, long-haired children of small g, God, all competing to be crowned the first sexy Jesus of St. Louis. Hmm. The event will include a talent show, and contestants will be interrogated by judges while wearing their Sunday best. Any competitor who could turn water into wine would get our vote. But maybe the winning Jesus will be really good. Uh, I can't even say what he would. I can't even. I can't even say that. <laughs> That's just evil. It was just there was a USA Today article. They were responding to that poll that was being taken, that people's view of religion is is increasingly less important. So I guess it would be decreasing in its importance. Patriotism, hard work, you know, the traditional stuff that made a nation great and less important. So that the author of the article in the headline said, what can we do? All of the fighting that is going on between people, all of the arguing and the divide. What can we do? Never answered the question. Never answered it. We've got the answer. What do these what do these people at this bar in St. Louis need? It's the same thing that our neighbors need and that our world needs. And if we don't like the acrimony and the depravity and the blasphemy, we've actually got the solution. Clearly, USA Today didn't. They asked the question and didn't even give a hat tip toward it because they got nothing. They know it. No, the education system and people fighting and the acrimony and the values. This isn't a culture war. This is a spiritual war. And we know the solution. And it happens to coincide with what it is that we are celebrating reverentially this week. This is Wretched Radio. And it is now time for a Wretched News Break on Wretched Radio. I'm Jimmy Hicks. And this news will come as no shocker to you. Over half a million people have decided that they had enough of California sunshine and a lot of other things and moved out of the state between 2020 and 2022. And I just can't believe it. I mean, with Governor Gavin Newsom at the helm, it's a mystery why anyone would ever want to leave that state. Now, let's talk about a network that's taking edutainment to a whole new level. I'm talking about the Cartoon Network, who's been recently celebrating the Trans Day of Visibility with comics that teach kids how to use preferred pronouns. Thankful for that. I mean, what could be more important for our young minds than mastering the intricacies of gender identity? I mean, I guess the classics like Looney Tunes and Tom and Jerry, they're just not cutting it anymore. Meanwhile, in Canada, the land of maple syrup, Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau has been generously funding a drag queen summer camp for children as young as seven years old. Yeah, who needs to learn about nature when you can just perfect your lip syncing skills? So good news, bad news kind of thing here. On one side, the Pentagon, you know, the home of military strategy. Well, they've dissolved the woke children's propaganda department, but the invaluable staff members have been reassigned to the new diversity, equity and inclusion initiatives. Sleep soundly, folks, because our military is focused on what truly matters. I don't know if you saw this or not, but in a recent debate, conservative commentator Candace Owens went head to head with woke professor Michael Dyson and Owens, well, she pretty handedly dismantled the affirmative action argument, leaving Dr. Dyson kind of flustered. Listen for yourself. 
I believe that black Americans are capable of performing in the same capacity as their white peers. You two don't actually believe that I because believe if you that. support affirmative action, you are basically saying that black Americans cannot do it on their own. Well, have you heard about the new video game? It's a game that allows players to assume the role of a transgender gunman on a mission to kill Christians and feminists. The game's titled The Cleansing, and it was released just two months before the tragic Nashville shooting. Yeah, I'm sure there's no conspiracy against Christians. That's just a coincidence, right? And meanwhile, over at CBS, staff have been instructed not to use the word transgender in reports on the Nashville shooter. Accuracy and facts, they're secondary, because who needs truth when you have a narrative to uphold? A federal judge in Tennessee has blocked a state law that's designed to protect children from viewing sexually explicit performances. The judge, Alita Trauger, has cited the First Amendment in her decision, so exposing kids to adult contents now somehow considered a constitutional right, according to this judge. I guess I missed that chapter in history class. And that's been today's Wretched News Break. More Wretched Radio is straight ahead. I'm Jimmy Hicks. Books of the Bible. It is not certain who the human author of the book of Hebrews was. However, it is certain that the ultimate author is the Holy Spirit. The message of Hebrews is an exhortation to faith in Jesus Christ, the mediator of the new covenant. When you want to see how God foreshadowed and fulfilled the gospel in the Old Testament, look to Hebrews. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. going to be agitated by this so thank jimmy this was a big festival that was held in downtown dallas it's a fellow who's a dentist who decided to start a church and he's preaching at an outdoor festival and i don't get the music behind this i don't know if it was added it was a part of it your kids might go to something like this i'm just saying your church might be invited to a festival like this we always do well to know oh who is the preacher exactly they say you can't drink he says i'm gonna make wine at this party when we run out okay jimmy i gotta tell you that just crossed the line into blasphemy right there (laughs) didn't take long (laughs) (laughs) when you talk like jesus like he's a hipster ooh. they say i'm gonna be judgmental i'm supposed to be judgmental jesus says you should not be judgmental well actually that is accurate, but that's not what he intended to say. <laughs> kind of like a blind knife that found a squirrel in the shed twice a day. We aren't supposed to be judgmental, but we are to judge. Are you kidding? John chapter 7, judge with righteous judgment. Don't judge with a log in your eye. Judge righteously, but judge. The, the, the whole New Testament is about judging because theology is laid down for us so that we can judge that which is false. Romans 16, mark those which cause division. Jude, he wanted to talk about the gospel, but he encouraged us to contend earnestly for the faith. Paul told Timothy, rebuke, 
instruct. Why? Because there are people who are going to come along preaching like this guy. Otherwise, you will be judged. Okay, what is with the devil music? <laughs> You Was that the people who put the video? Because I'm looking at the footage. It could be the band on the stage because they got the smoke thing going on oh. in downtown Dallas. They say that nobody of the same sex should ever get married. Wow. Jesus goes mute on this issue. Well, except for the time that he didn't. <laughs> and even if he did, he doesn't have to. Jesus didn't say don't hit children in the back of the head with a baseball bat. Didn't need to. We can apply exactly what is already there to understand that. Starting in Genesis 1, thank you very much, but he did clarify marriage. In Matthew 19, 4, in the beginning, man and woman married. Jesus says love is sacred. There's only one unforgivable sin. Love is sacred. Okay, I'm thinking of 1 Corinthians 13, but that doesn't say love is sacred, does it? Love is patient, love is kind, doesn't hold grudges. The sin against the Holy Spirit, blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. And if you think preaching against love isn't blasphemy against the Holy Spirit, then I don't know what is. Well, technically, you can blaspheme the Holy Spirit with your preaching. This guy should understand that. But rightly understood, blasphemy, the sin of blasphemy against the Holy Spirit needs to be rightly understood. In that, you know that Jesus is the Messiah. You know that he did the things that he did. And you reject him persistently. You're not going to be forgiven. That's the sin against the Holy Spirit. And for those folks who might be a bruised reed or a tender spirit, please note a stupid, blasphemous, intrusive thought does not make you guilty of that sin. It enters in and it maybe rolls around up there for a bit until it finally leaks out. But you don't agree with it. You hate it. You're not committing that sin. And by the way, speaking of intrusive thoughts, there is a, I've got a stack full of different surveys and studies and different reports on things. Okay, here's one, Lupriolo. Just the, the amount of people who are lonely and the effects that it has. Loneliness is off the charts. He's got a new book called Loneliness. But this, this was a different study that was talking about intrusive thoughts or blasphemous thoughts. And it's off the, here it is right here. Ha, Jimmy. And you, you say I don't organize or nothing. <laughs> Six million Americans have intrusive thoughts. Here are four ways to get rid of them. Well, that should be really interesting. Oh, it's completely worthless. <laughs> there is a biblical counseling way to get rid of them. But please know, if you're one of these people in the six million, and I suspect the number is even higher, you're not a freaky Christian. You're not weird. You're not untouchable by any means. A lot of people experience this. And if you get those intrusive thoughts, don't automatically equate those with a sin against the Holy Spirit. But that doesn't mean a preacher like this can't blaspheme God. When people love each other, to break that up, that is blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. No, no, it's not. That This is like our inverted reality world. That's exactly what it is. <laughs> you do the biblical thing and that's blasphemy. Jimmy, you know your desire to protect children? 
blasphemy. That's what that is. And it's time for someone in church to speak up that what we are preaching is ridiculous. Then you know what? Go start something new, dude. But please don't call yourself a Christian when you're preaching like this. And we have to follow Jesus on another level. His words deserve to be the highest. Yeah. He spoke for the Father. No one else spoke for the Father other than Jesus Christ. That's not true. They were called prophets. <laughs> That's enough of this. This goes on for days. You get the point. You don't know what somebody's preaching at these conferences, at these festivals. Church news. Oh, this is exciting. American people like Jewish people. Although I, I just saw a commercial last night. I, I don't quite get this, but you somewhere on your internet stuff that you do, Facebook or where you, you put a, a tag or a flag or something to identify with, you know, like the pride flag or something. This is just a blue square to say that, hey, enough of the hatred toward Jewish people. Uh, apparently, there's more Jewish discrimination and hatred going on than before. I, I hate to say it, but we Christians, if that's true, well, we're giving you a run for the money because the antagonism toward Christians Ufta, and this study, by the way, supports that. Americans like Jewish people, Catholics and mainline Protestants, evangelicals, they, not so much. Now, this is a tricky one because we are supposed to be the people who love, and yet we know that the world isn't going to love us. They're going to hate us. Why? Because they hated our master, and we're not greater than our teacher. If he took a shellacking, we can anticipate one, too. So we want we got to find that balance of loving our enemies and yet recognizing they're going to hate us. The seeker sensitive movement and silly preachers like the Texas festival with the weird music going on guy. They they hey, let's let's just just round off any of the sharp edges here. The world isn't going to love you. If you identify with Jesus, even a wrong Jesus because the world doesn't discriminate and they aren't really good at theology. They're going to hate you. 35% of Americans expressed a very or somewhat favorable attitude toward Jews, with only 6% expressing an unfavorable attitude. Well, that's not a good number, but it's better than what it could be. It's not double digits. Catholics, too, get good marks. By the way, increasingly in America, because every nation has a different stream of, for instance, the Anglican Communion in Great Britain, very liberal in Australia and Africa, very conservative. Same thing with the Catholic Church. You know what? It's going to be, in, you know, the we're probably looking at a new pope coming soon. It's going to be interesting to see if they're going to nominate a Catholic to be the pope this time. <laughs> I think will be really interesting. They're, uh, 34% favored Roman Catholics are very liberal in this country. 18% unfavorable. And ecumenical Protestants, they did pretty well, too. Atheists and Muslims scored overall negative views. But at the bottom of the list, <laughs> that poll's a little confusing, but it looks like it could be atheist Mormons and evangelical Christians. Cool. One can't help but wonder. Why that is, because it is it is expected that the world's going to hate us and, and we shouldn't go looking for trouble and animosity, but we should expect it. But we should also ask why they are feeling that way, because if it's for the wrong things, I got to tell you, I'm not excited to have the bottom of my feet beat. I'll be honest with you. But if it happens, 
I'd prefer it is because I am preaching the gospel and not engaging in the what we call culture war. Because this ain't a culture war. I mean, sure, you could call it that. That wouldn't be incorrect. But this is a spiritual battle. If we haven't seen that yet, yikes. We used to talk about, you know, the demon possession stuff overseas. Yeah, boy, that looks really radical. The demon, the devil doesn't show up that way here. Well, you know how he's showing up through the whole trans thing and what we're trying to do with children? Cutting out parents, mutilating their bodies. We talk about demonic. This is a spiritual battle. I, the world's going to hate me. I want to go down for preaching Jesus. This is Wretched Radio. I know how you're feeling at the thought of switching from traditional health insurance to MediShare, which is affordable biblical health sharing. That's a big decision, and it can be kind of scary, which is why Mrs. Freel and I researched MediShare and determined, yeah, we can trust this ministry. Christians paying for the health needs of other Christians. It's a magnificent ministry. 98% member satisfaction rate. It's amazing. The average family saves $500 per month. If that sounds intriguing, and I hope it does, please do your research. Visit metashare.com slash wretched, metashare.com slash wretched, or call them and talk to a really nice person at 84434-BIBLE, 84434-BIBLE, 84434-BIBLE. Hey, hey, thank you for listening to Wretched Radio today. And you know, we are approaching Resurrection Sunday. And as we do, we're feeling pretty thankful for you guys tuning in like you do. But have you ever considered what it may look like in your life if you were to become an ongoing monthly Wretched Gospel partner? Because you'd be joining our efforts to reach millions of people around the world with the good news of our Lord Jesus Christ. And here's an example of what your partnership with us is doing. This is from an anonymous listener who said, thank you so much for your staff and program for being there for my soul and equipping me to further minister to fellow soldiers in my unit. So how do you become an ongoing monthly Wretched Gospel partner? Well, it's easy as changing a light bulb, except you don't need a ladder or working knowledge of electricity. But all you have to do is visit wretched.org slash donate, or you can also text the word Wretched to the number 44321. Boom. Done. It's that simple. Wretched. Amazing grace. Amazing gospel. Sorry to ask you to do some arithmetic, but this is some math that will encourage you and make you very, very happy. This is one testimony of a mother who chose life because she saw her own baby, courtesy of an ultrasound from Preborn. I was terrified. I really didn't know what to do. The first time I saw the ultrasound, I was just amazed. I was like, oh my gosh, is that my baby? And I, like, I heard her heartbeat and I, I just, I just fell in love. If I could care about my daughter this much, if I could love my daughter this much, how much does God love me? Now take that one testimony and multiply it by 54,253 because that is the number of babies that were saved last year because of ultrasounds at preborn centers. Would you please help us grow that number by providing as many ultrasounds as possible at preborn.org slash wretched, preborn.org slash wretched. Attributes of God. 
What does God's patience look like? 2 Peter chapter 3 verse 9 says, The Lord is not slow to fulfill His promise, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. God is not hurried, nor has He forgotten His promises. God will bring about the fulfillment of His eternal plan in due time. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Not one, not two, but three church stories we're not going to talk about. This is Wretched Radio. Then why do you bring it up? Because there are times when we can and sometimes when we should talk about a public church fiasco. But there should be rules to that game. And one of the rules, in my opinion, is accusations are not enough for us to be having a roundtable discussion on it. If something has been done that is rotten inside of the context of a local church or a denomination, if it is brought to trial of whatever sort, if it is affirmed that that activity was taking place, then we can choose. We don't have to, but we could elect to talk about that. I'm sorry. Did I use the word elect? I know some people find that biblical word kind of... We don't always have to speak about what happened at a church. And so it is. There are three stories in the news about a church that, quite honestly, we should be judging this church on their bad theology, (laughs) on the purported behavior of some of the pastors. So, for instance, there's an accusation that this particular private, this public church is using private jets like Ubers. Okay, that's what they say. I don't know for sure if it's true. Maybe it is. It probably is, frankly. But I'm not going to talk about it. And this, by the way, just so you know, this is a church that I don't just disagree with. I think has been horrific for evangelical Christianity. It's, it's a global church. It's a massive movement. But these are accusations. And I don't think it's the Christian's place to engage in idle speculations. One of the pastors from that church, now it's been revealed, has a DUI charge. Okay, it's a charge. If it goes to trial, if the judge says, yep, you were DUIing, then I might talk about it, but I don't have to talk about it. And finally, a former pastor of that same really big church is apparently going to do a little expose talking about that church the secrets of that church. What will I do with those? The same thing I did with the biography or whatever they call the documentary on that particular church, which aired on cable TV. I saw it one night, was flipping through, and it was like, oh, look at that. And it really well done. I mean, production-wise. And it was people who had attended that church who were making accusations against that church. And those stories are compelling and for all I know, they, they certainly could be true, but I don't know if they're true. So I didn't even want to fill my head with an hour's worth of accusations when I'm never going to get to hear the other side. And for whatever it's worth, again, that is a, this is a church, ew, really bad. But I think the same rules apply to bad churches as would apply to good churches. Ah. Uh, I think when we get involved in conversations about accusations, we can be aware of it. And I think especially, too, when they start to compound and it's like one after another, it's like, okay, this is this has increasing weight to it, but it needs to be adjudicated. And until it is, I don't want to be guilty of 
gossip, even when it's a crummy church. And I got to tell you, you know, Christians should be making documentaries about the false teachings of churches, not just the lavish spending or the drunken behavior. Oh, I know that's salacious and juicy. And it seems to be gotcha. The worst crime that they commit is misrepresenting God and not speaking rightly about God and Jesus Christ. That's the stuff we should be talking about. Church news story. A woman <laughs> thought this was where this is Dallas again. Hey, Jimmy. Yeah. Do you remember who else is in Dallas? Who? This guy. That is oh. what makes him the Messiah. Preaching that- dentist. <laughs> the preaching dentist. <laughs> makes my teeth hurt. Not sure I'd want to go see him to get relieved from that pain. False you, you can't get the gospel right. I'm not sure I want my cavities filled by you. I'm just, I'm just saying. So this is a woman in Dallas, Fort Worth, where she has, she's now the church's first senior pastor. And the only reason I thought this was noteworthy is so that we can remember the arguments that are being marshaled against what we've understood for two thousand years to be plain, and that there are particular roles for particular genders. Here's her argument. If God is going to call someone to ministry, well, okay, God wouldn't call somebody to a a ministry that they are prohibited to participate in. But that's the argument. Hey, God's calling. You can't argue with my feeling. Uga shaka, uga shaka, uga, uga, uga shaka. If God is going to call someone to ministry, I just have to believe nobody is going to stand in the way of that. You know? Yeah, I do know. It's a false argument. The question is, how do I feel about ministry? The question is, what does God say about me being in that particular ministry? Interesting headline from Rebel News. I thought it was an I. Rebel News. Religious leaders turn to chat GBT for sermon writing, but find it lacks human touch. I don't know if you've seen some of the products that has been produced by the chatbots, but they, they actually can sometimes, now there's, pl- as we've heard before, they're being programmed for all kinds of liberal ideologies. But if you ask it a question like, what did, what did Jonathan Edwards have to say about sinners and God's attitude toward them? It's like, well, that's actually pretty good. And I've read some of these attempts at sermons, but I still fear that too many pastors are going to take this and then they'll make it sound rather colloquial. They'll make it sound rather conversational. We can look forward to more and more sermons from pastors who haven't prepared them, which will weaken the church even further. This is interesting, Jimmy. This is fascinating right here. What? It's totally wrong. It's nonsense. And yes, I am going to use this story to take one more swipe. A priest claims demons tortured him with a Rihanna song. Here's the story. A pastor from Michigan suffered a heart attack. That's scary. Seven years ago. And he's convinced he briefly descended into hell where he got a glimpse of the fiery torment awaiting him, which involved horrifying renditions of Umbrella by Rihanna and Bobby McFerrin's Don't Worry, Be Happy. We know that that's just nonsense. There'd be bagpipes playing. The reason I bring up this story, however, 
Speaking in a video posted on TikTok. Oh, what was what did I just see on the TikTok thing? Oh, oh, I've got it. It's buried too far in my stack here. The number of views of people who go searching for double mastectomies. It's unbelievable. It's like 50 million, billion, whatever it is, just a ridiculous number of people that apparently want to learn about these things. I'm telling you, TikTok, whether you think the China connection is worthy of your consideration or not, that little app is so filled with landmines for your kid. They just come on in, visit us, and we'll start to persuade you that your parents are absolute idiots, which is why mom and dad, I'm telling you, Russian roulette, we're playing it with a with six bullets in the chamber if we let our kids just have free access to social media. I'm telling you, here's what the pastor said, posted on TikTok. My spirit left my physical body. I thought I was going upward because I thought I had done so much good in this lifetime. Ah, I see. We've got somebody who doesn't understand the gospel. And I helped so many people and made so many decisions that were godly decisions. And he was shocked that he thought he went to hell. If you find that pastor, share some good news with him. Your good deeds are like filthy rags, but we have a savior who has ensured that we will go to heaven based on his works, not ours. Poor pastor doesn't even understand the gospel. And speaking of poor pastors, sir, I think you might have a new issue that is going to demand some of your pastoral energy. There's a new book out by a Protestant, an evangelical Protestant psychologist. And the headline of this particular, it's a review, and it wasn't a horrible review, but it wasn't a totally favorable review. It was a pastoral approach to gender dysphoria. The number of kids who are confused and are willing to express it, those numbers are exploding. And it's getting to the point where it is possible that the kids in your church are starting to experience this, which means you might not want to avail yourself of this book by an evangelical Protestant psychologist, but that you have some thoughts, a strategy put together for how are we going to deal with these confused kids? And how are we going to deal with their parents who are freaking out? We see these these things. Andy Stanley's hosting it. Rick Warren's hosting it. They're right in their observation. Parents need help when their kids come out. Now, the help that they're offering ain't biblical help at all. But we should have some. Because this tidal wave, it, it ain't receding anytime soon. And it is going to, if it hasn't already hit every single church... And every pastor and every parishioner should be thinking through, how are we going to react to it? How are we going to respond? How are we going to treat these people? How are we going to help these people? How are we going to be biblical with these people? We do well to get ready now, if it isn't already too late. Until tomorrow, go serve your king.